Welcome to the Cowboy Entrepreneur Show, created and hosted by Scott Knudsen, to explore the crossroads of horses and business. Now here's your host, Scott Knudsen. Hi, and welcome to the Cowboy Entrepreneur Show. I'm your host, Scott Knudsen. Whether you're listening to us on KCAA, the NBC affiliate out in California, or watching our podcast on one of our many platforms, we really appreciate you. Today, we have a very special guest. Janice Johnson-Wilson is on the show, and it is going to be such a fun show. She is a clinician. She has been in the horse business over 60 years. She's an author with a soon-to-be-published book, and she's a uh, Mustang trainer to any type of breed of trainer, and she's also the mother of the Wilson women. So thank you so much for being on our show. It's an honor to have you on. Oh, yeah, Scott. I'm glad you called, and I'm tickled to death to be here there. I was tickled to get to meet you at the NFR in 2020, I think. Yes, yeah. ma'am. Yes, ma'am, for sure. Mm-hmm. It, it was my player, my uh, my honor for sure, and and it was because Extreme, well, Wileen was there, and I've known her for a few years now, and, and uh, man, I just enjoyed visiting with you. I knew the audience would love hearing some stories and, and really getting educated in, about the horse world. Yes, that's what I do. Uh, I'm actually a nationally certified Monty Foreman instructor. And to be at the level of instructor I am, I have to be, a, you know, the certificate says rider, instructor, and, and trainer. And so I have to have the ability any place, anytime with anyone to teach them more about a horse than you can find in any book. So that's why I'm, you know, redefining and uh, writing a book so that people that read it can self-teach or help somebody else. Our instructors are, you know, not teaching all they should be teaching. And the secret to great horsemanship is knowing the truth about a real horse and how it operates and being a horse themselves. So that's why my job. (laughs) <laughs> and so uh, I'm in I'm in my 59th year of teaching, but I'm in the 63rd year of knowing oh, and doing that. Yeah. So amazing. And you just were in, in 21. You were in the Hall of Fame for pole bending. Yes. That, that's, I, that's amazing. I, I got a call and I was shocked. I, they, I was nominated for a special achievement award for the National Pole Bending Hall of Fame. And I didn't re- think they remembered me, but I have a big background with pole bending horses. Uh, my daughter, Wenda Johnson, Wenda Wilson Johnson, who's, um, you know, in the, at going to the NFR, I hope this again this year. Right. Um, she's a world champion pole bender and high school champion and, uh, all of my kids actually are, and um, all my students. And I was shocked that they remembered me. But I did in 2019 have one of my students win the World Paint Champ- Championship, Open pa- Paint Championship. And then 2020, I had one of my kids win the Reserve World Championship at the AQHA finals. That's wonderful. Yeah. Well, it's when you help them. And they know what they're doing and they ride and guide stride for stride. The speed doesn't bother them. And that those horses, the faster you go, the better they get. <laughs> love it. I love that. Yeah. I love that. And having the confidence to do it. Oh, yes. Uh, and the mindset, you know, that's why you have to understand that every time you set on a horse, you're a winner. But that doesn't mean you're going to get the trophy. That doesn't, you are a winner because you entered the arena. You tried, you know, I tell everybody, you won't, don't know, you know, if now, so I'll say it right. Um, I've got CRS disease. Can't remember stuff. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you won't know if you don't go. That's, That's what exactly. I, and that's what my my own personal kids and all the others that, I, that I've, I've mentored through the years and all of my uh, unofficial do- adopted boys and girls and that's gone to do great things. And um, they live wonderful lives today because they have an, a knowledge of what a horse is and how we can help be a, a partner to it. 
I love so that. And, and what, what did you say? You told me, but I want the audience to hear this. So when you were at calf time or goat time, whenever you hit the arena, oh. what was the one thing you said <laughs> entering the arena? Well, number one, I never entered the arena without a prayer saying thank you, dear Lord, and being grateful for the skills and opportunities that I had. And then when I was done with that, I would look over my shoulder and say, now, watch this, sports fans. <laughs> Giggle and go. <laughs> and I don't remember. Um, I mean, I, we won every rodeo for two straight years and then won the national championship, college championship in 1966. And um, I just went to have a good time. And I didn't know that I went, went from wherever I was in the national ranking. I, I had one goat that the horse I was riding scotched and kept me from placing fourth or above. And that cost me the world championship. So, but I ended up second in reserve and got the, all the goodies. And I was amazed. I totaled up all my college um, stuff that I did and college rodeo paid for all my books and all my tuition for five years. Goodness. And this, and this year, and in those days, they didn't have scholarships. And I had never been to competed in rodeo until I was in college. Oh, isn't that awesome. Everything else, but no, I didn't. I hadn't had a barrel horse that we didn't. Well, because we didn't have a trailer, we had to ride everywhere. If you wanted to participate and see what other people were doing, that's why I have ridden to Payson and back from Mesa, Arizona, two times when I was 13, when I was 14, and when I was 15. I rode my my horse that became my barrel horse from Bumblebee, Arizona to Prescott to ride in the Prescott Rodeo Parade. How far is that? How many miles? Is well, that? Uh, when they totaled up all the miles and I turned in my accomplishments, before I was uh, graduated from high school, I'd rode over a thousand organized rides. It's not counting all the others because I I lived on a horse. I rode the horse to ball practice and to club meetings and to my friend's house because we didn't have a horse trailer. That's so. something. Oh, my goodness. Well, you were also Miss Rodeo Arizona and Arizona State Rodeo Queen. So yeah. you've done everything. And well, yeah. Well, in those days, the only things that girls could do in rodeo, and I was active in the rodeo club, um, I went to the rodeo club because I like to show horses and I wanted to show horses and I would have, and still today, I would like to ride every horse I see in the show ring. But um, when I got there, the the boys teased me so badly. Uh, oh, what you got? A barrel horse right there. And it's crazy. And it was. That, that, mare, that, that mare did not stop. She jumped and leaped. And, and if you touched her hind end, she kicked. Oh, she was dangerous. I owned her, you know, six years, never picked up our hind feet. Today, I could do all that stuff, but I didn't have the knowledge of how to get around a dangerous horse and teach it how to be a happy horse. What I learned from Monty Foreman was that he, his, uh, what he said at the end of a clinic is, may you always ride a happy horse and do things the easy way. And the easy way method is what I believe in. And I won't argue that it's any different than what I know because I've seen it. I've researched it. I've been there. I've done thousands of horses and thousands of people. Uh, Monty dedicated 60 years plus of his life to devising education for the average backyard horseman so that they could get the real joy, the agility, the skill, everything to be a, a true horseman. Scott will be right back with more. Hi, I'm Scott Knutson, host of the Cowboy Entrepreneur Show. Today, we're going to talk about something I'm really passionate about. Those that know me know I love my coffee. Those that don't, now you know I do. 
And we've been working on this for several months and we, we wanted to get it just right. And we don't put our name on anything unless we feel 100% certain it's, it's the best product we can get. And uh, we, we've done it. I really believe we've done it. We've created a coffee line, 13 great flavors. I'm gonna show you three of them. We have K-Cups in all 13 flavors. Here's a Jamaican Me Crazy. It's a, just a really great coffee. Everyone has great logos. It has a brand, the same brand that's on our horses, our trailers. You know that brand means something and we wouldn't put it on here if it wasn't good coffee. We have whole bean. This is a great Honduran blend and uh, it's a whole bean coffee. We have whole bean in all 13 flavors. And then we have a ground coffee. Uh, this is a really great one. My wife and I really like this a lot, loved it. So we named it after our daughter, Hades Glenn. Everyone has the packaging and the logo of the show, our brand, and I hope you like it. I, I really believe you will. And we're gonna have more flavors coming out soon. We're gonna have the pumpkin spices and then we're gonna to go to peppermint after that. And please send us your suggestions as well. You can find it at cowboyentrepreneur.shop. Think coffee shop, cowboyentrepreneur.shop. Thank you so much. Do you know what the word horseman means? No, ma'am. Tell, please tell us. Yeah, it means wisdom, wisdom and knowledge. A horseman has wisdom and knowledge about what they're doing, not the fact that they just ride a horse. They can, you know, the, the brutal guy, the ones that uses force and domination on a horse doesn't know a thing about a horse. Because when the Lord created that horse, he made it perfect. But he didn't make us perfect. <laughs> and, we have to, and we have to develop every skill, every talent, every gift we have all of our lives. But the horse is born knowing everything. It's a precocial being, born knowing everything, and born at genius level. So from the day a horse is born until the day it dies, it basically is the same age and same knowledge and everything. And that's a gift that would be a good one for us. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, but anyway, the, the, you know, Gaining the knowledge that the horse gives is the most important thing a person can do in li their life. Um, Monty Foreman used to always say in these clinics, he would say, folks, you must act in accordance with Mother Nature's law. Because the horse is guided by Mother Nature's law. And do you know what the three big F's are? Oh, please tell us. Fear, flight, fight. Fear, flight, fight, fear, flight, fight, because it's a prey animal. So when we understand that the horse is ruled by not us, and there's no way you can make a horse into a human. You have to go in the horse world. And to go in the horse world, you have to speak the language of the horse. And because the horse is an equine, the language that you learn to speak is equus. Equus. And it's a magic uh, and wonderful thing when you understand it. Um, when I was younger and I had a barn of 105 horses and the 50 families that were, came in that was every kind of backyard and breed of horses that came in, um, I devised a way. I watched the problems that people were having and tried to figure out how to do it the foreman way. I was listening to all of the big clinicians and seeing the run, 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 and the round pins and all that stuff they were doing and, you know, lunging the horses, which was totally unnecessary. So I said, baloney, I was old and crippled and, and I just formanized it. So I concentrated every lesson. So I had the ability to start a horse that at any stage, you know, what doesn't matter if Mustang or old kid horse or and to take the bugs out of the brains. And um, so we could take and within a few minutes, have a two totally new horse. Now I say that because the horse is a single minded animal and creation. And 
they can only think about one thing at a time. So that means when you're talking to the horse, you have to do it in their language, one thing at a time. But the question is, is how do horses learn or when do horses learn? So when a horse learns, it's the first time. Every time, all the time, no excuses, no exceptions. The horse is always right because it's always answering to mother nature and what the instinct is of that breed of animal. So if that's a truth, and it is a big truth, that the horse is single-minded, actually they have no past and they have no future. And we say, whoa, 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 we're supposed to traumatize this horse, blah, 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 blah. And everything, everybody talks now in a, a big stable or when you are around horse people, when they talk about their horse, they are not talking about their horse. They're talking about themselves because they can't, they won't, Absolutely. they don't. Yeah, they don't know and they don't understand. And the traditional methods or make them do it and force them to do it. And that horse has a side of its nature that you must tap into. And that's all horses like to play. And if all horses like to play, you have to play with them when you're teaching them. That it's like the horse that wants to bite, nibble, and head bump you, and you you declare war to that horse, and you say you can't put your nose on me, and here they come, and I see it every day, all the time. But how you stop a horse from doing that is you rub like this on the muzzle and the teeth, and look him in the eye and say, oh, you want to play. <laughs> and you keep rubbing hard until they they'll throw their head and finally step backwards. And then you stop and stroke her face. Now, when you stroke a horse's face, it's like stroking a baby's face. That skin and their hair, you got to go the direction of the hair. No rubbing, no patting, no flipping, no anything because in the herd to learn how to be a herd animal they get bit and they get kicked why do we stroke their mother licked them when they were a baby so the more times you touch and the more times you talk to a horse and say good for you or say yes or acknowledge every effort they make the faster and quicker they learn so the constant, what happened in this series when I was learning to do what I call the attitude adjustment or the pin job, and it's a great way to start colts, and especially good if you're not going to be laying one down. Um, you, um, the reason I did it, because I had to help people with the problems. Their kids couldn't lead the horse, and they wouldn't get it in the horse trailer, and they you know, and trainers were getting bucked off and every, everybody was complaining. So I used to do this little job on a horse. My training space was only 20 by 20. Very dangerous, not for an amateur to do. But you can concentrate a lesson in there. So we take that horse from wild to mild in about three hours and or 350 because it was you had to teach the human. I would work that horse and where it was fingertips soft and come say, come on in here. And I want you to feel this. And they'd go, oh, wow. And, um, <laughs> and it didn't take long because the horse learns the first time. The second time you do something with a horse, it's called what? It's called practice. Practice. Oh, that's a tough word. That's a tough practice. word. Practice. <laughs> and the practice is for who? Yes. For the human. Yes. It's of the human. The horse already learned it, whether it's good or bad, because it has a brain that's a, a mammalian, excuse me, a reptilian brain surrounded by a mammalian brain. And um, it only can think about one thing at a time. But they, it's because of the mammalian around the reptilian, they uh, learn by sensory. 
movement. So anytime a horse moves its feet, it's learning. And you can erase old memory. If you put good memory in, you get get throw the garbage out. And I have reprogrammed hundreds of horses doing that simple technique. And um, they that horse would walk in there and we teach over 50 things in that short period of time. When I'm not showing a human and having to teach them too, I could do a horse in an hour to an hour and a half, over 50 things. And that horse was right there, loving every bit of it and tickled to death to do anything I asked because I asked it. And then I allowed it time to re, to uh, respond and check the learning, give it the test. And third, I promise to kill them if we don't understand. <laughs> so there's three stages you go. First you ask, then you suggest, and then you promise to kill them. Yeah. Never yeah. promise to kill them first. You never jerk on a loose rein. You never spur without telling the horse you're going to do it. Love and that. actually, I don't teach people to, in spurs because you're trying to sensitize the horse. And Monty Foreman said, folks, you don't know how a spur is used or what it's for. And, and you, it puts you out in the wrong position every time because you put spurs on, your knees come off. The horse judges you 100% by your behavior. Not your spurs, not your bit, but your behavior. <laughs> so, the, so the control of the horse is, uh, horse handling science is about learning how to move your hands, knowing how to move your feet, and how to think ahead. Because you need to be three things ahead of that horse as you guide them to success. You cause them to go to the purpose you want. And um, it works so slick and so fast and so easy. Uh, I can take a troubled horse and have them, you know, untroubled that quick. Because today we know the brain science. Um, there's a new word out there for all the professional people and the beginners and everything. It's called down regulation. Mm -hmm. Down regulation is knowing how to down regulate the chemical releases in a horse's brain when the fear button hits. So you know, need to know how the sympathetic works to go, create the stress hormones and then you have to know how the parasympathetic works to regulate that down and that's down regulation. Um, big deals going on in the natural world of uh, teaching horses to be desensitized. Desensitization is the result of down regulation, but okay. the, the guys don't understand it. Uh, they've not been to our seminars, and I've had the privilege of being with Dr. Stephen Peters, the top neurologist that finally researched it out and published it in 2012. That's how new it is to the horse brand world. New. Yeah, brand new. And we have a seminar last week people from all over the United States and they were enthralled, had a great time, ha ha, and got to see horses completely changed by simple techniques. And because that horse, I tell everybody, everybody's talking about timing, feel, rhythm and balance, but they don't teach it because they don't really understand it because they're riding a style, not a horse. Uh, Monty right. Foreman used to say, it's not English and it's not Western, it's world horsemanship. So my goal is to help people get into the top 2% of all people who've ever lived so that they can feel that joy and the experience of it. Um, I've had back low back surgery after 60 years of suffering with a broken back. I finally got it repaired. And um, so I can't ride that horse, but I can feel everything that horse is doing, not only in my mind, but also in my body. I was given that gift so that when I'm coaching someone and they understand what I'm saying, we can change at, at just that. that. It's amazing. That. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. But um, so 
the third thing you, um, happens when, you know, the question again is what happens the third time you do something with the horse exactly like you did the first time? Right. It, the horse turns its spirit over to you and then they trust you. They respect you. They respond to you. It is permanent memory and it goes on call, which gives you a finished feel. But no horse is ever finished because it's subject to Mother Nature's law, always. It comes first, you come second. But if you've got the partnership, you can have it instantly and erase old memory and put on new memory. And it's amazing that that horse is an equine 1000 or, you know, organic computer and uh, with uh, oh, 10,000 megabytes and uh, 20,000 hoofbeats. And they, you put garbage in, you get garbage out, you take the garbage out, and it's a wonderful experience. It's awesome. That, and what's the level above Equus? Oh, uh, they can understand any language, is, and you can chain and check any pre cue or thing. If the horse's feet are moving and you do it at least three times, you can come in and speak Russian, German, French, Spanish. Portuguese, you know, uh, um, yeah, Japan and Korean and, you know, all these horses. Um, when I had, I had done a horse my, my way and I had done an attitude adjustment on a pre-Olympic horse one time. And um, if that big guy in the dressage world had known he was third, third you know, forthright on that horse. We'd already done a pin job on him. We'd already done a basic handle ride on him. He had a finished feel. That horse stood stock still on the, you know, the owner was was little small and she stood there and that horse didn't move. When the the master came and he spoke German, he was six, four, four, and he was wonderful. He comes out and runs the stirrups up and takes the horse and he goes out and sends him on the lunge. Ah, and that horse tried to do everything he asked him to do because he had learned to watch human behavior. And what, what I do in, uh, when I'm doing a pin job on a horse, I teach them to pay attention and know what is real and reward them every time. The secret is you have to tell them uh, you did good and smile on your face. Yep. Never a frown. You don't, you don't ever hit a horse like, you know, swat them or spank them without telling them at first that you're going to do it, you know. That's why we kiss or cluck to turn the horse's mind on first before we turn the feet. Um, I had students last week um, and I watched them try. They were running their horses around and lunging them around and no, con no control. But, you know, did, they were doing uh, 40 percent. But when I got through with them, they were doing 100 percent and they were amazed they could they could back that horse with their hand, with their nose, with their shoulder, with the finger, and with the wig. All this this is, you know, the ask with your wrist, right. and so they were amazed. And they're going to go back to 4-H and be happy kids. Absolutely. And the mom is a teacher, and she was thrilled. She says, I, I, I put her on the end of the line with a horse that didn't back and was head shy and erased. And so, Amazing. you know, it's not what you do. It's how you do it. Absolutely. And, absolutely. And yes, so. And you were saying well, the other day, your daughter-in-law, y'all had a Mustang and you were going to work with him. Uh-huh. And uh -huh. like in four hours, it was a total Yeah, different. we had him done, a, and done in four hours. It was my um, daughter-in-law. She was entered in the Queen Creek Mustang makeover a couple of years ago. At nine o'clock, we were at, at the pens, picked up the horse that was drawn out of the hat for her. A little, you know, big, nice little big gelding. You know what? They're pretty skinny and scrawny, but he developed him into, to a beauty. And it was his name was Riverdance. 
And so we picked him up an hour later. We were at the farm and we pulled the gate off of the front yard and I took the end of the rope and we fed it down the arena fence on, into a solid, solid cement post to, you know, where he was caught, but he wasn't going to be hurt and proceeded to work with him. And um, uh, after we had flagged him and curbsided him, which was a wonderful thing, Juanette was working yet with him, and he put his head under our, his her arm and responded to everything she asked. You want to get to the point where you can snap your fingers and that horse comes to the side of the fence for you to mount and do anything with. Oh, and you can reach in um, and stroke legs and, and nobody gets hurt. Horse doesn't get hurt, human gets hurt and everybody's happier when you're done. So um, we was, were there on the fence, oh, probably an hour and a half, two hours. And so I said, well, find out if he can lead. Took the halter, opened the gates, walked and clear back down to the round pen. And he was right there with her and happy as a clam. And so we took him out. Um, I love to use John Mary's method. Number one, control the feet, direction of the feet. Two, be able to put anything on, over, under, around, through, beside, near, far away, or uh, you close without causing fear or pain. And it's a simple technique. You just do a 10 year old child running, being silly, because crazy people make great horses. <laughs> and quiet people make spooky horses. But right. the spookier you can get, and the more you challenge them, the faster they down regulate. And so Monty Foreman understood this. Um, I heard him say several times, folks, I don't know why it works, but it just does. And he could have explained it, but he didn't didn't want to explain it because he he said, actually, he said to me and in the 60s, the, the people are too dumb. They can't understand. <laughs> and but he still in his lifetime time taught about 95,000 people at over 900 clinics. Oh. And I was thrilled to be a part of those because I was a demonstration writer. And when I was at the ranch or when, it, you know, I was an instructor, and I was handling bad horses and fixing them up in front of an audience. You know, Monty could take five minutes and totally change a horse's life. And, you know, he would say, uh, you have to be careful. People think it was that simple. It's not that simple. Right. You have to know what the rules are. And the first rule is there are no rules. <laughs> yeah, what's perfectly right here, perfectly wrong here. So it's not ever about right or wrong with a horse. It's about easy or hard. Right. Did you do it the easy way or did you do it the hard way? So get rid of right and wrong. There is no right here. There is no wrong. Your, your goal is partnership, to be able to do the equidance with that horse. And the equidance is the most amazing thing. It's the greatest thrills of my life have been doing that kind of riding on a horse that's totally, um, you know, has the agility and has the uh, presence and can do it all. And all you do is think it and ha it happens, boom. And that's galloping 360s over the hawks that spins and the sliding stops and falling off and standing up and um, reversing and drop to trot changes the leads and then uh, front foot first changes the lead and the hind foot first changes the lead. While we're on leads, did you know that horses change leads four ways? Four ways. Four ways, but everybody only teaches three. <laughs> and I, when I realized that we didn't have that in the language of horsemanship, we needed to have it so people wouldn't be lost because they get lost when they want to change the leads on the horse. And now, Monty used to ask the word or um, ask everybody, why is the canter called the canter? 
interesting. He said the root word for canter was can't. Now, can't means look at the picture up on the wall. That's straight. But this one's canted right and this one's canted left. So the word canter describes the position of the horse at the canter. And it's a three bead gate, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, at a slight 45 degree angle. I call it the magic 45. Everybody needs to know to put a horse into lead, you have to know what foot in your ear you are personally in rhythm with. So yeah. as that horse, you come through the move basics that are um, in this wonderful book, Monty's last book that he wrote in 83 uh, before he died. He left this treasure and it's full of great pictures and descriptions and um, horses that I used to ride. Great movies. Cool. Um, and he's, his other little book was called The Cantankerous Leads. Cantankerous Leads. I love uh -huh. that. And those, because people didn't understand it. And if you look, the books are called the Easy Way books. The Easy Way. I love and, that. I loved how you were in uh, doing the clinics with my, uh, my Oh, lady. yeah. I, yeah, I had two years that I did that. And you were riding horses with only five or six or seven rides. Oh, well, first rides one day. Oh, goodness. Yeah. That, it's that easy. point about the, the theory. Yeah. Well, it does prove the point. And that's why this legacy, I call Foreman the father of modern day Western horsemanship because he was a researcher. He dedicated over 60 years of his life. When I met him, he was 52 years old. And he had ridden 25,000 horses. Oh, goodness. Oh, and I. That's a few. And, and as I researched his life and knew what he did and how uh, there's a wonderful Rick Lamb show on his life about Monty Foreman. And I think he, it's still on the Internet uh, on the horse show. And you can get that. And it's great. Uh, Rick did, did a super job and explaining who Monty Foreman was and the legacy. And my job, I feel, is to educate everybody a little better about why we need to study what that man was doing. Because the, like uh, behind you, there's a whole row of 20 or 30 bridles, right? Yes, ma'am. Yeah. And guess what? Do you know what they're for and how to use them? No. They everybody is conned and brainwashed into getting a bit that will work. The control of the horse is not in the bit. Surprise, surprise, it's in the mind. That's why you have to turn the mind on before you turn the feet. And John Rary was was right about that. So control the direction of feet, anything on over, under, around, through, beneath, you know without causing fear or pain. So that Mustang, when we had him ready to go, we just led him out to the round pen, prepared him to be laid down. Number three step of John Rary. Now, John Rary in 1800s was a, the master horseman. He was a celebrity. He was like Monty Foreman. And um, his story is wonderful. Uh, Rick Lamb produced it and, and did it and did a good job. That on that because you hear about the berries and you hear about the modern day clinicians and some of the, the guys that are trying to explain it but um, he was a master he could take any horse in the 1800s everybody had to have a horse and they were dangerous and so he could fix them and I had heard when I was younger about somebody that could do everything in a 35 by uh, foot area. And so I think they were talking about, about Rary because he would go into stall with his horse, lay it down and completely change his life. And we do it and I've done it hundreds of times. And I teach my students how to do it if they have a mind to do, because it's fun when, a lot of my older, older students, we teach those horses to lay down so they can get on. That's and they, awesome. and they, they go over there to their little old Mustang or whatever, their trail horse, and 
get on and that horse stands up and it's so pretty it's a cool, cool way stuff. to do it isn't it well it, yes because that's why we teach them to curbside it's called curbside uh, service please and the book was written by lauren woodward she did a good job explaining why we need to have horses that are that compliant with us so you can go to mount on the horse trailer from the horse trailer or the mounting block or the uh, boulder or the tree uh, anywhere and that horse stands perfectly still and waits for you to mount they don't move their feet until they're asked to move their feet we just turn the mind on then turn the feet on uh, and i love it yeah it, it's pretty cool stuff but the when you're teaching a horse, there's four steps you have to go through when you're teaching. Physical is what to do. Mental is how to do it. Emotion, that's what drives the engine. That's what either gets you killed or gets you the reward. So I was working with a major trainer in California one time, and she said, what did you say? And I explained it again, because the first time I explained it to the group, she was talking under my feet and didn't pay attention. But when she was having her lesson, we were working with two two-year-olds, a stallion and a gelding. But anyway, she said, oh, no, I have been putting um, men um, first. The emotion? No, the emotion with the second step physical mental and emotional so she was combining mental and emotion together aha uh -huh. uh -huh. and i gave her um, the exercises that she had to do to change some things and i said has anybody ever shown you this before and she said no no oh she said i wondered I said, you can't sit on that horse and try to look perfect as if you're in a horse show. You have to ride and guide stride for stride. You have to be at the right place at the right time for the right reason in the right way. You know, you, it, that horse is t totally um, guided by what you're doing and how you use your body. And so she and then we get to the fourth side. It's the spiritual side. When we've taken care of what to, how to, and emotion, and you can do it at the walker, trotter, canter. The basic handle is all done at full speed. And those riders that get to that level of having a horse run down there and slide and stop and, three, and gallop over to its hocks and come out and do a double inside roll out to uh, opposite lead, that's the Jimmy Williams special. And the Jack Brainerd special is a, a roll away with a double 360. Wow. Well, you ask anybody to ride a horse like that and they go, huh? <laughs> they're, missing, they're missing all the fun. And what makes a working horse work is proper working and proper instruction. That's Anytime right. has a horse has the fear button, you want to turn the worry into work. Not destructive work, but constructive work. You want to turn that into a teaching motion moment with a smile on your face wow. and say, oh, you want to jump sideways. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let me let me go with you. Can I ride it, please? Yeah. <laughs> it is oh. a hoot. Oh, but, I love it. Yeah. Well, you have to give a horse a foundation before you take him out and run barrels. I worked with a barrel racer a week, two weeks ago, and she's got wonderful horses. And I taught her, oh, about three years ago, but she wasn't having fun. She was too critical of herself. You have to have fun with fundamentals and not get on the dark side with what you're doing. Forgive and forget. It's nobody's fault but yours. <laughs> I love that. That's so true. Thank you for listening to the Cowboy Entrepreneur Show. Scott will be right back with more. For more information on Scott Knudsen, the Cowboy Entrepreneur, visit us online at cowboyentrepreneur.com. And, and the other day we were talking, you were saying the horse is controlled by one part of your body. 
Oh, yes. And I was getting to that. Oh, I can't and wait. You know, I thought it was so fascinating. Yeah, it is fascinating. And when you see it done uh, and how we teach it so fast. So people, the first time they get back on their horse, they know and can handle that horse properly. But what part of your body controls the, you know, the direction of the horse? If you have a bit of the mouth, is it the hands or is it fingers, the wrists, the elbows, you know, what controls the horse when you have to have be in rhythm with the, the gait you're on? Well, surprisingly, it's the elbows. The elbows give, give 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 the bit to the horse the horse actually follows the swing and the movement get a bridle up off the back wall and hold it under the crown piece and have somebody move that bit and you'll feel what that horse is feeling in their mouth but if you get a swivel sided jointed mouthpiece curb bit with no um, drop back curb loop it pinches in the, the lips and gouges the teeth and it becomes a torture weapon. That's why they put tie downs on and um, things. You, running martingales are 100% acceptable because they, and they have to be long. They, you, when you adjust a running martingale, it's to the throat or to even with the top of the horse's shoulder blade straight up. And, um, but they put that horse in a vice and they pull hard and you'll see it at every rodeo and every warm-up pen and um, every uh, people out there with trail. The only reason that we had a tie down on our world champion is we had a, a nose band that was all silver and we wanted to show it off, but the tie down was totally loose all the way to the throat. I love it. So that it never it yeah, it was a costume. And well, when you got it, you flaunt it. And, <laughs> Absolutely, you do. Yeah. And when you, you got it, fancy stuff, you know, go wear it. Um, well, you're Miss Rodeo Arizona. You can say yes. that, you know? Yeah, I can say that. Well, when I was pro running GRA in the old days with Girls Rodeo Association, I was best dressed for the state in 1969. And I have the, the trophy to prove it. But I, at the time I was barrel racing, I had 30 beautiful, shiny, gorgeous, name it, you know, homemade shirts and, and pants and lame. And that's what my husband fell in love with when he saw my, my gold lame pants and silver <laughs> ones and black ones and green ones. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah. I love I yeah. love the story you were telling. Maybe you can share it with the audience where, where you and Wileen, and she was eight years old and y'all were traveling, and there was some oh, okay. pain. Would you mind sharing yes. that story? Oh, I'll be glad to. It's but actually, it's my cousin. I talked to her yesterday, and she was raising paints, and she loved paints and Dalmatian dogs. And we stopped in uh, San Diego to visit her. On a, we were coming home from California. Wileen was eight. And we got to talking and she says, well, I've got a two-year-old and I haven't done anything with her. And I said, well, do you want to, you know, get her ridden today? And she says, well, uh, yeah. <laughs> I said, okay. And we went out and went through the program, teaching them a systematic approach to learning. When you're teaching a horse, kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third, all the way up to your PhD, your performance horse doctor. And so I talked her through with, you know, she had a balanced ride saddle. We put a snaffle on her and I talked Wileen through and she got a full basic candle on that mare. Yeah, about four or five hours. And my cousin was thrilled and she said that was the best horse she ever owned. Yeah. But when you start them properly and you respect a horse and what it needs from us, you're going to get the horse of your dreams. And she got the horse. Of her, but Wileen was spectacular because when um, I opened up at the barn, I was major, you know, equestrian center. People were coming from all over the world to see me and get knowledge of how Monty Foreman did this. But we're now six or seven generations from Monty Foreman. And a generation is about 10 years. 
So first 10, 10, you know, and most of the people that knew Monty Foreman are up in their 70s now or 80s and are, or have passed away. I, Jack Raynard, I heard passed away a couple of months ago and he was one of Monty's favorite students. And really? he went on to do great work with trainers and professionals to teach him, teach him about the footwork. Monty used to say, it's the footwork that counts. You have to connect the brain to the feet, not the mouth to the brain to the feet. So that's why the control of the horse comes in your elbows as you give the bit. And the movement in your hands, they're never stiff or tight. They're a lot, and you push the elbows, push the elbows, push. You don't pull it back, push, push, push. Now, how do we teach people to do that? It's called riding shank's mare. Now, your shank on your body is your thigh bone, your femur. But in the old days, they didn't have the word femur, so it was a shank. You know, a shank a lamb, shank, shank a ham, and a shank on a, a man. If a man did not own a horse, he had to ride shank's mare to town. <laughs> the poor guy. So what we do with, when, when you do clinics and stuff, um, you'll see a line of people with no horse uh, out on a piece of ground and they're riding shank's mare. So we teach them the movements and the mechanics of what it feels like. So when they get on the horse, they have a direction to go. What, what would you do if you're uh, out cantering on a horse and I yell to you, roll back or roll away? Mm -hmm. What does it mean? What does it accomplish? Well, a roll away means you're rolling away from the lead you're on to the new lead. And guess what? That's the fourth lead change, the pivot change. The inside hind foot of the horse is the balance foot, pivot and push foot. So if you understand that, you can help the horse get in the ground. You must get the hind end down before you. the horse can lift and shift its shoulders the direction you go. If you only pull the rein, you lock the horse's pole and the horse gets stuck and and you blame the horse because of ignorance and you can't do that. Um, that's why when a person's learning, if you'd have to go slow and say, oh, this is the steps that I need to do. And to find the steps, we give you the key words. The key words help you remember what you're doing. I had one lady one time that called me and she said, I want to thank you. I was writing with my friend out on the CAP canal and two bicycles and two Rottweilers come in, came up behind them. And the, the uh, Tennessee Walker that their friend was riding is in the dead runaway on top of this canal bank and went off the canal bank and into the cactus forest. And um, this other lady, uh, which was my student and on a Mustang, and you can know, imagine what happens when you run into the middle of a cactus with any horse. Right. And she said, I could hear your voice and I could hear the keywords. And I bent that horse in three strides. And when I stopped, I was in the middle, middle of a choya. That's a jumping cactus with these big pericles. And she was in, that horse was dead quiet standing there. Let her lead her out, let her pull out all the cactus so she could get her hands on oh my goodness. and and um she said it saved my life knowing how to properly bend a horse and the secret is you have to understand what the the lower flex cue is on a horse and how it turns the mind off and how you can in three strides going wide open one two three be dead stopped on any horse and um it's about knowing the lower flex and, and how to handle the horse's pole so that that horse knows and is ready and could, can do it in a fraction of a second. That gets you to the fourth level where they, they turn their spirit and it happens fast. There's uh, I, um, a marvelous tape on Facebook, but I haven't seen it lately and it's too bad. It's Susan Baker. 
who took my place at Monty Foreman's and was with him until he died. But I taught Susan when she was uh, 17 years old and first came into the ranch and taught her some manners and things. <laughs> but we're good friends and I'm gonna see her this summer. I'm going up to, she lives in Idaho. And uh, like me, she's getting old. But um, anyway, so I'm anxious to see her. And she has a lot of the Foreman memorabilia and things that Monty collected through the years. And she want, I've got to preserve that, them and, you know, take proper care of them and get more information out how Absolutely. to use the Foreman method to have better su success. And Monty in the older days, in a, when I was with him, usually the clinics were about 40 riders, but when Susie later on in the 70s, they expanded it to 50 riders. So the question is, wow. is how do you handle 50 riders? Absolutely. And some of the big boys have asked me, can you teach me how Foreman did it? I, so I said, yeah, but you gotta take the time to come and you have to know how the technique works because we had to memorize, you know, 40 riders in a circle and then he'd set them on a posting trot and he would divide them into the skilled and medium skilled and beginner boom three and everybody watched every group 10 minutes in the 10 minutes and 10 minutes and it was done going fast not walking wow. not going slow uh in the clinics i do and the teaching i do depending on the age and stage of the people you know uh, I some people we go slow with, but some people we crank it up and have. I fun. love it. I love it. Oh my goodness, the time is going so fast. I, yes, I, uh, I can't believe it's going so fast. I could just listen and learn, and uh, I know the audience loves hearing your stories. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. I appreciate you so much. Thanks, Scott. Yeah, it was a pleasure to get to talk to you. If you want me back for more, oh yeah, absolutely. This is. This is only the tip of the iceberg. And I, I absolutely. Let's do another show and, yeah. and uh, we'll promote it. And it's just so educational. But it's so much fun. It's so oh, positive. Yeah. So oh, yes. We'll do another yeah. one. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you. I, it's been a pleasure. Yes, ma'am. Thank you to all the great sponsors of the Cowboy Entrepreneur Show. If you or your business is interested in being a sponsor of the Cowboy Entrepreneur Show, please call our office at 830-992-1786 or visit our website, cowboyentrepreneur.com. KCAA. Yardhouse Restaurant of Temecula takes this special time to salute the Temecula men and women in uniform who've answered the call for our freedoms. Let's give them the hero's welcome they deserve as they have fought hard to restore peace around the world. American troops are our angels of protection, so stand up and salute them proudly. That's from Yard House Restaurant in Temecula, where they say service isn't just a courtesy, it's a commitment. Call 951-296-3116 for Yard House Restaurant of Temecula at 40770 Winchester Road in Temecula. Hello folks, Matt Rodriguez here your best choice for LA County Sheriff. Personally, I can't recall a time when LA County was in such dire straits as it is today. With skyrocketing crime rates, low deputy morale, and a complete disconnect between Sheriff Villanueva and the community he serves. To say we deserve better is a huge understatement. If I was to summarize Alex Villanueva's term as Sheriff in one word, that word would be disrespectful. That is why I'm running for LA County Sheriff to reinstate a sense of respect back into the job. Respect for the people, law enforcement, and the rule of law. Clearly, I cannot accomplish this quest without your help. So please join me on this journey to reinstate respect back into the LA County Sheriff's Office. Go to rodriguezforsheriff.com, donate and volunteer. It would be my honor to have you on the team. Thank you, God bless, and stay safe. If you're ready for a Las Vegas vacation, here's an offer you can't refuse. The Vegas Travel Center is offering three days and two nights in Vegas free. 
Just call 909-406-7400. The offer includes accommodations with two free tickets to Great Las Vegas Entertainment with free meals. So if you're planning a trip to Vegas, you need to jump on this right now. Just call 909-406-7400. Obviously, an offer like this is not going to last. So call now, 909-406-7400 for your three-day, two-night Vegas vacation. That number again, 909-406-7400. Call now. You're on board KCAA's Inland Talk Express. KCAA, Loma Linda, 1050 AM, the station that leaves no listener behind.